Welcome to the Fearless Health Podcast with host Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Dr. Barter is on a mission to help people achieve their health and wellness goals and help men and women live their best lives fearlessly. Dr. Barter is the founder of Alternative Family Medicine and Chiropractic in Denver and Longmont, Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Fearless Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and today I am so excited. I have Dr. Jack Wolfson on, and I actually heard about Dr. Wolfson um, from a patient of mine who brought in his book and was so excited about it. So today we're going to discuss the current conventional treatment for heart disease and why it really doesn't address the underlying cause, because heart disease is still the number one killer. Things to do to prevent heart disease, talking about how to eat, why sleep is so important, how nutritional status affects it, mainly vitamin D and magnesium, and why stress management is so critical, what to do if your traditional doctor won't listen to you, and we have a little bit about COVID in here as well. Dr. Wolfson has been interviewed on CNN, Fox, NBC, and taught millions about a healthier way to live. His book, The Paleo Cardiologist, is an Amazon bestseller. He has been selected as a top holistic MD in Phoenix for five out of the last six years. He was also a partner in the largest cardiology practice in the state of Arizona. So he really has experience in both worlds both conventional cardiology treatment as well as holistic nutritional treatment. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm so excited to have you. Dr. Anne-Marie, it's a pleasure to be on and so excited to bring a lot of this information to your listeners. People really, certainly during these crazy times, they need holistic health information more than ever. So happy to share. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? So I really want to get into this because your story of becoming the paleo cardiologist is very interesting. So how did you get into the holistic side of cardiology? Well, I started off as a conventional cardiologist, like every other cardiologist. I went through four years of medical school, three years of internal medicine, three years of cardiology, so 10 years after undergrad. And then I joined the biggest group in the state of Arizona, where I was doing angiograms and pacemakers and all the high-tech cardiology stuff. And I was the director of cardiac rehab, the director of cardiology, chairman of internal medicine. And... I was with that group for 10 years, but along the way, I met the woman who would open up my eyes to what it means to be really healthy. And she is a DC doctor of chiropractic, but she also says DC doctor of cause. And she said, if you want to really help people, why you went into healthcare was not to be a pharmaceutical salesperson and to do surgeries that could be prevented. But if you went into it to really find why people are sick, you have to be a doctor of cause. And what she said made perfect sense because I saw so much sickness around me, so many people on pharmaceuticals. I saw sickness in my own family with my father eventually dying of a disease similar to Parkinson's. And I said, what you have to say makes total sense. And I changed and I um, you know, just went on this whole new career path. So I think it makes me very powerful, Dr. Emery, in the sense that I know the medical side, and I know the natural side, and I choose to practice naturally. 
Yeah. And what a powerful woman and what a powerful message. Well, I think also is that, you know, she, she is a very powerful woman. And I think that really what, what, what it amounts to, to me in, in so many different ways is that the doctor of chiropractic, and I now understand this, the doctor of chiropractic is the go-to for health and wellness. They are the people you need to go see when you truly want to be preventive because the medical doctors have nothing for prevention. They don't know anything about nutrition, nothing about the healthy lifestyle. All they know about is pills and procedures. That's just the way, it's not a fault of theirs. It's just the way that they're trained and the way I was trained from the first day of medical school. So to go see a functional chiropractor, somebody again who uses the, the, the wisdom of nature to keep people healthy. That's really what the solution is. The solution is not in a prescription bottle. The solution is prevention with, with nutrition and lifestyle. That's, that's the answer. And that's the message I really want to bring out. And that is such a powerful message. I mean, I just want to say preach because it is, I mean, that's, this is how I feel every day, day in and day out. You see, um, problems that people have been struggling with for years upon years and not getting solutions just they they resolve once you just give the body what it needs it just it will resolve and i just think it's such an important point to to point out so i love that you're saying that so when we're looking at heart disease it's still the number one killer in america why is that it's the number one killer because, again, the medical doctors aren't addressing the why. They, when they see somebody with abnormal cholesterol, they reach for a drug. When they see high blood pressure, they reach for a drug. When they, re when they see somebody with diabetes, they reach for a drug. It's always this kind of like, you know, quick problem solution model for the medical doctors and uh, everything, uh, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's just, it starts right from the beginning. And again, it's not the fault of these people. These are very intelligent people. But again, when you are essentially brainwashed into this methodology, uh, you know, you, th that's, that's all that you know. So for me, when my eyes were opened up to really common sense things like, right, you know, Dr. Emery, everything you and I will be talking about really is common sense. If we talk about you know, what are, what are good foods? We talk about the importance of sleep. We talk about the importance of being outdoors and sunshine. We talk about keeping stress levels low. We talk about the things that really, again, if you asked a, a five-year-old, they would tell you that stuff makes common sense. And really, that's where the problem is with modern medicine and why cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, strokes, atrial fibrillation, diabetes, obesity, brain diseases, dementia, autoimmune, there's always a cause. And what we need to do is find the cause. And when we correct the cause, then essentially that's the cure. Right. So why do you think that it is that somebody will come in um, to, a, to, to their regular MD's office, they run a blood panel, they find that cholesterol is elevated, and they give them a statin? Why? I mean, you know, that's, but people believe that that's the solution to their issue. Well, I think, you know, certainly people do believe that, but, you know, I think because of doctors like you uh, and my wife and myself for getting the message out there that people are understanding that there is a better way. And, uh, you know, quite fundamentally, 
you know, the, the people are not deficient in Lipitor, Crestor, Zocor. They're not deficient in aspirin. They're not deficient in, in blood pressure drugs or diabetes drugs. So we need to continue to, to tell them that, yes, they are deficient in a good lifestyle and they have an excess of bad lifestyle things. And uh, again, when it comes to, you know, when I tell somebody, you know, you, you, know you, you didn't have a heart attack because you were born deficient in Lipitor or <laughs> however we got here, whoever created us, call it God, call it evolution, combination of both, whatever. Um, it, it, it's not that God forgot the recipe you know, of, of Lipitor. So, the, and, 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 and fundamentally, let me say this too, is that it's not, I'm not even going to sit here and say Lipitor and the statin drugs, for example, or the blood pressure drugs, for example. I'm not going to say they don't work. They lower numbers down, but do they have real impact as far as heart attack, stroke prevention? The answer is according to their data, yes, but it is a very minimal benefit. So it's not about reducing someone's heart attack risk from 6% chance of a heart attack over the next five years down to 5% chance of a heart attack. It's about you and I as holistic practitioners being able to offer someone a 0% chance of heart attack. That's what we really want. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what are the side effects of these meds that you've seen? Well, I've seen every side effect, essentially. Um, you know, it's, it is well known, for example, that statin drugs have muscle issues, liver issues, uh, mental uh, issues, uh, sexual dysfunction issues. And most medical doctors either don't acknowledge that risk or they would just say, well, the benefits far outweigh the risks. And I think, you know, fundamentally, once again, not only can we do better without the drug, but then we also don't have any side effects. Whenever you administer a pharmaceutical, it goes into the body and just does stuff. It doesn't know exactly what to do. It's not told what to do. It's just a chemical that goes in and interferes with normal bodily function. And when you understand that, you'll realize that that could never be the solution. The answer always will be as to how to make the body function optimally naturally, that's going to give us our best chance to live a long and healthy and happy life. You know, what was interesting when I, when I looked at the studies for statins, I was like, we've really got a model that's interesting, you know, and I love studies and I read them all the time every day. I think it's really important to practice evidence-based medicine, but looking at the, the studies for statins, it's just like, okay, does it lower cholesterol? That's like you're only, you're not looking at all these other outside factors. Like for example, you talked about erectile dysfunction or, or sexual dysfunction or how much muscle pain because it's cutting off other circuits in the body, which I think is really critical to, to think about. You're not just lowering that number, but you're having a negative effect everywhere else. And the studies just weren't broad enough to look at those other effects because it's one cause one solution. Oh, does it work? Yes. Okay, move on. And so I, that's what was concerning about to me when I read some of those studies. Well, the other thing, as you know, is that the studies are only as good as the people who conduct them. <laughs> and the data is obviously heavily skewed in favor of the pharmaceuticals. The, it has been well documented about how positive studies get published, negative studies get buried. Um, 
it is it is in everyone's best interest in the industry to make sure that that studies come out positive to support the pharmaceutical approach but i think in reality you know once again even if we take them for their word that what they say is true that you reduce heart attack risk from 6 to 5 or 6 to 4 Again, that's not good enough for me, my family, my patients, my friends, mm-hmm. anybody. We want to get down to a, you know, close to 0%, as close as we can get for any of these parameters. And that's what, uh, you know, what we offer. And, uh, you know, that's why I wrote my book, you know, the, the Paleocardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health, is to get that information out to the entire world. And, uh, you know, and most recently, I made my book available for free because in these kind of crazy tough times, we, I need to be off, able to offer people uh, the best and, and to get the information into their hands. So my book is, is available. It's called Free Heart Book, and anybody's available to come grab it, freeheartbook.com. Come get your copy and, and learn the truth about health and wellness. Chapter 14 is called The Wonders of Chiropractic, why all my patients are under chiropractic care, and I've got the evidence of why they need to be under chiropractic care. Yeah, it's important. Everybody should do it. I don't know why everybody doesn't. Just it's it's life changing. You know as well as I do. So it's crazy to me that I am still educating people on why not to do a low fat diet. Are you still getting questions on when somebody has you know high cholesterol? Uh, you know, should I should I be doing a low fat diet? Are you still getting those questions? Yeah, I mean, listen, this is indoctrinated into our brains, the low fat model, really since the 1960s. So, so people that are in that generation of people that are now in their 60s and 70s, that's all they've heard their entire lives. And that's hard to pass for a lot of people. But again, we just take the commonsensical approach that, uh, you know, for example, uh, we know from the Mediterranean diet and, and the Predimed study that those people that were given olive oil had the lowest risk of cardiovascular disease. Well, olive oil, by definition, you know, fat, you know, oil is pure fat. So how can that go along with low fat? Um, there's lots of studies on the benefits of coconut oil. There's lots of benefits, uh, certainly to you know, to omega three and and getting oil from from fatty fish. So you know, why why try and argue with Mother Nature? We are hunter gatherer people. We hunted and we gathered. And those are the foods, what I would say are paleolithic foods. So meat, seafood, eggs, avocados, coconuts, nuts and seeds, certainly a lot of vegetables, fruit in season. Why, why debate that? Why come up with something new? You know, the, the human breathes air and oxygen. You can't come up with a new strategy and say, well, you know what? We studied helium and we think helium is better. Again, the low-fat people that talk about veganism, I believe, are clearly wrong. It's not our ancestral diet. Vegetarianism is not. And certainly low-fat is not. And fat is super healthy. I think you and I will both agree that it is the heavy carbs that are the villain. Certainly artificial ingredients, um, pesticide-riddled foods are the villain as well. But you can't tell me that eating coconuts and wild salmon and avocado and nuts and seeds, nuts and seeds are loaded with fat. And every study shows that those are beneficial. So I think we can pretty much uh, kill the low-fat hypothesis. Yeah, when I was in school, it was, it was interesting. I took nutrition um, 
from this fella and he was he was quite entertaining he said you know the things that really are going to clog your arterials are you know sugar processed food caffeine and nicotine and you know he would always because that was during the low fat time you know when everybody was repping low fat and he's like nope it's those processed carbohydrates and you know as you know obviously i mean at this point he's correct and i think i would add same thing toxins process you know toxins are huge and i think that that's also a critical piece of you know a cardiovascular disease would you agree yeah, well, you know, there was a study actually that I quote pretty often came out a couple of years ago and said that the people that are in the the highest levels of pesticides, if you break it down into thirds, you know, you take a group of people and you've got people that have high level of pesticides, moderate level of pesticides and low level pesticides in their bloodstream, the people with high level pesticides have a 50 to 60% higher risk of dying over a certain period. So I would tell anybody, no matter what diet they follow, please make it organic. If you're going to go eat chocolate or cookies or ice cream, just make it organic. Let's all start with that. It's better for us and better for the planet. Mm -hmm. So if somebody has, so someone's panicking, they have high cholesterol. Um, what are your recommendations for that? Well, my recommendation, number one, is go to free hard book. Uh, com and get a copy <laughs> of my book. But, you know, listen, uh, Dr. Emery, you know, we can all, we can all debate about food. But is food any more important than sleep? Not even close. Not even close. Sleep, sleep is more important, and the data supports that. Is food any more important than getting sunshine? People with the highest levels of vitamin D have the lowest risk of everything. So sunshine to me is more important than food. Sleep is more important than food. When you talk about cholesterol, what happens is, is that cholesterol is, of course, running through our blood vessels and running through our skin on the LDL particle. When the sun hits that, when the energy from the sun, the UVA, UVB from the sun hits the cholesterol particle, it turns it into vitamin D. So vitamin D goes up, cholesterol goes down. So for a lot of people, what we would say is high cholesterol is actually a sunshine deficiency. So when we talk about, again, high cholesterol, there's always a reason for it. And the reason is not that we need Lipitor, Crestor, Zocor, and the like. But, you know, to kind of just finish that thought real quick, you know, once again, is food more important than stress modification? You know, mental health and well, you know, I've got chapter five in my book, One Nation Under Prozac is the chapter name. And it's about all the things that are linked to, uh, you know, all the, all the mental uh, health issues, anger, stress, anxiety, depression, that uh, markedly increased cardiovascular risk. And, um, you know, certainly we're living through some crazy times right now with coronavirus and uh, people just being in fear. And mm -hmm. fear is a major risk factor. I've got no doubt that an extraordinary level of, of heart attacks are happening right now because of fear. And the other thing along with that, when it comes to mental health and wellness that is a horrible thing to have and to be is socially isolated. And right now they're social, you know, socially isolating everybody and the cardiovascular effects of that are really monumental. So 
we'll see how this all plays out. But again, you know, is, is food more important than physical activity? Is food more important than avoiding environmental toxins and pollutants and air pollution? Air pollution, we know, markedly accelerates your risk of, of heart attack, stroke, and cardiovascular death. So while we all argue about food, there's all these other factors that I think need even more focus. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's interesting because when somebody will come in, they'll say, oh, my, I spend enough time outside, my vitamin D levels have to be fine, or I take this capsule of vitamin D and I'm taking 2,000 IUs or, or 3,000 IUs or whatever it is, but their dial hasn't moved. You know, their vitamin D levels are like 25, what, whatever it may be. What do you think, number one, are optimum optimum vitamin D levels? And then number two, why do you think we're so severely deficient? Well, I think number one, we're deficient because we don't get outside. And if we do, we're wearing a hat, we're wearing clothing, maybe some people are wearing sunscreen. Uh, preferably if you use sunscreen, it's going to be an organic product. But I think that's what the you know, difference is, is that our ancestors used to be running around outside um, all day and they were naked. And now nobody's running around naked outside. And I, we can easily joke about that, but we're talking about optimal health. And I tell a lot of my patients, you know, get outside in the backyard and as much skin as possible, get that into the sun. So when it comes to vitamin D levels, I think, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of different debates as far as what is optimal. I would just tell people that vitamin D to me is just a surrogate for sun exposure. So if their level is 20, my answer to them is you should go out and get more sunshine, not necessarily to, to take a supplement for vitamin D. And if you live in Minnesota, if you live in Calgary, you know, uh, you know, Canada, well, there may be times in the winter where you do need to supplement with vitamin D, but for most people, most times of the year, the answer is the sun. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. And, you know, what's, you also talked about mental health and um, people being isolated. And I think one of the number one medications that is given out, if not the number one, is antidepressants. Um, why do you think that's the case? Well, I think there's so many different factors why people are depressed. I mean, th- that, that conversation, right, is, is very lengthy. But, you know, people that, are, that take, uh, you know, psychiatric medication have a, have a higher risk of pneumonia. And right now, everyone's running around scared. <laughs> they're worried about a virus. They're worried about catching pneumonia. They're worried about winding up on a ventilator. And psych drugs are a risk factor for that, along with other pharmaceuticals, including ACE inhibitors in the blood pressure category, proton pump inhibitors for, you know, for, for gastroesophageal reflux and stomach acid and heartburn. So, um, you know, when it comes to mental health and wellness, it, I, I think, you know, as you know, when we offer them the natural solutions where you eat the right foods, you go to sleep, you get your sunshine, you go to a chiropractor and get adjusted, you stay away from the chemicals and toxins, your brain is going to be great. You know, mm-hmm. we're not born to have brain disease like we're not born to have heart disease and we're not born to have cancer. These things happen because of our lifestyle, which means if we change our lifestyle, we can change our health status. Yeah. And I think it's been, it's been interesting. I run an oats test on a lot of my patients, um, which is an organic acids test, not, not are you allergic to oats, but um, I always check neurotransmitter levels and the precursors for that. And I would say 
95% of people are deficient in those neurotransmitters or they're making too much um, epinephrine, norepinephrine um, instead of dopamine. It's been really interesting to see how it's going through and they're completely deficient in the, in the nutrients leading up to a lot of the neurotransmitters, which has been quite interesting to see. So, which certainly yeah. is, is a lot more fruitful for you as a doctor to be able to fix that versus they're going to somebody. I mean, and that's why the psych meds don't work. Um, you know, that's why they take these antidepressants. Uh, and of course, you know, back in the day, the originals, you know, like Prozac and stuff like that, and why they were so ineffective and why they continue to be ineffective. Because again, you're not addressing the cause. And when you go back to the cause, now you really make some amazing strategies for these people. And it's right. I mean, you would agree, it's so rewarding to be able to to practice like this. Well, so I've never practiced any other way. So I don't know the difference. But I can imagine that if you felt like like you were just seeing the same things over and over again and feeling like you were just writing scripts or doing the same surgeries over and over again and not changing the lifestyle. I think that would be, I think that would be rough, quite honestly. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, listen, as far as these, as far as these, um, you know, psychiatrists or family practitioners or general medicine doctors, again, you know, the people from the latest, uh, um, psychiatric medication, mental health medication, the mental sickness medication. They, the reps uh, from the pharmaceutical company just came into the office. They just brought lunch. They just gave you some, you know, some pens and some pad of paper, and they invited you to another dinner at a fancy restaurant. That's just the way medicine operates, you know. So, uh, and then in addition, when you are a a conventional medical doctor and you see patients every 10 to 15 minutes, you don't have time to, even if you knew the truth, you don't have time to discuss nutrition, lifestyle, evidence-based supplements. You don't have time for that. You've got time to write a prescription. And it's really just a fundamental problem with the entire medical industry that that's just where things are at. But as you know, people are demanding more, they're demanding better. And that's what doctors like you and I offer is that we offer better and we spend more time with people and educate more with people. If you're going over an organic acid test with people, you take the time to do it so they understand it and you explain it and then we can move forward. And, that, and that's the future of real healthcare. Mm-hmm. It's been interesting, you know, in the midst of this pandemic that we have going on with the coronavirus, um, watching people kind of discuss, you know, who's going under for this. And they're like, well, they're young and healthy or they're, they're this age and healthy. And I'm like, that's so interesting. Like, what is their definition of healthy? Like, what, what does that mean? Because, you know, as I've been in this longer and longer, somebody that maybe appears healthy and you start to run some testing on them, it, you know, it really shows signs of nutrient deficiencies and, um, and, you know, neurotransmitter deficiencies and gut infections and real severe SNPs in the diet or that they're not, you know, just all these things that you can address where somebody can live optimally. But it's been interesting to see that word thrown around. <laughs> they were just yeah, so healthy. It, yeah. I mean, I mean, isn't that the truth? I mean, listen, as of right now, 90, 96% of all known cases of coronavirus are mild, 4% are not. And if you look at the people that die, the vast, vast, vast majority when they die from whether it's coronavirus or influenza uh, or community acquired pneumonia, they have comorbidities. So what does that mean? They have a history of cardiovascular disease. They have a history of lung disease. They have a history 
of diabetes and obesity. Uh, in addition, we know that there are many, many groups of pharmaceuticals that we mentioned a few minutes ago that increase the risk of community-acquired pneumonia and dying from pneumonia. Uh, in addition, we didn't even talk about fever reducers, how, how Tylenol, for example, increases the risk of community-acquired pneumonia. So when, when people are under the care of the medical doctors and the medical system, that's where the real sickness happens. But finally, when you talk, when someone says, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so was totally healthy, just like you said, I don't know anything about that person. I don't know how healthy they were. You know, oh, Chris Cuomo on television, he's got, you know, whatever. Well, first of all, he seems fine. Second of all, a thing I love to talk about is from the TV show, uh, America's Biggest Loser. And Bob Harper was the personality on there. And Bob Harper looks like Iron Man. And then he has a massive heart attack. And people are like, wow, see, it can happen to anybody. First of all, I know nothing about Bob Harper. I don't know what he eats. I don't know his level of stress. I don't know how much sunshine he gets. I don't know how much he sleeps. I don't know anything about his past. And, no, and neither does anybody else. So when someone says so-and-so is healthy, just like you pointed out, and now you have the opportunity to look under the hood with the most advanced testing in the world, you see people that say they're healthy, they look like they're healthy, and you look at the paperwork objectively and you say, wow, there are some serious problems here. And then you dig deeper as to where those problems came from and you see where the real risk factors lie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's real interesting, you know, in, in the field that you're in, the first sign of a cardiovascular a heart attack or a cardiovascular event is a heart attack most of the time, right? And I, I think that they, it's always, oh, they were so healthy and then they had a heart attack. I'm like, wow, that's interesting logic. It's just very <laughs> interesting. So what would be some symptoms that people could watch out for so that they just don't get suddenly surprised by a cardiovascular event? Well, in general, my first inclination would be to say is that, yeah, most people don't have any symptoms or signs, and then they have a heart attack. Uh, so that's one, one scary factor. But I would say in general that if you're someone who suffers from fatigue, if you're someone who suffers from any form of pain, any form of pain, if you're someone who... Uh, again, suffers, you know, you know, and, and feels like, you know, they're depressed or anxious or they have mental health issues, you're at risk. You're at risk. And what you need to do is see a functional doctor like you, Dr. Anne-Marie, and get tested and see what your markers of inflammation and oxidative stress and see your advanced lipid particles and looking at organic acids and neurotransmitters and looking at levels of vitamin D and omega-3 and homocysteine and uric acid and glutathione and all the things that you and I test for that most conventional medical doctors haven't even heard of. Those doctors are practicing with, with 1970s laboratory testing, you and I are talking about 2020 state-of-the-art tests that people need to know if they're looking to seriously change their lives and seriously prevent you know, uh, you know, health-threatening uh, events. Yeah. Do you think that this model of medicine will ever be the norm? Yes, um, I'm, very, I'm very confident. I'm very confident. I think that 
Uh, you know, clearly there are a lot of powers that seem to perpetuate and push the pharmaceutical model. And I think that the government, along with the pharmaceutical industry, are really, really fighting uh, tooth and nail to preserve their territory. But I think that the truth will prevail, that the more people listen to doctors like you and I, the more that people are going to change. I think also is that for the next generation, you know, for the people right now that are 15, 20, 25, 30, they see their parents, they see their grandparents, they see how what horrible health they're in, they see the handful of pills that they take and the doctor's visits. They don't want that. They don't want that for themselves. They're going to want better. And again, this is not the 1970s where you go to your doctor and it's my way or the highway. Now we've got the internet. Now we've got books. Now we've got doctors like you and I that are, that are speaking the truth. So people are getting different opinions. And what we say has, you know, makes perfect sense. Their side is a failure. Our side is the way to go. You know, a, a common complaint that I hear from patients is, well, I went to my MD and I told him these problems and he or she wouldn't listen. They just weren't interested. They thought that I was being silly or I was being a hypochondriac and, or, you know, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't take that to heart. Do you have any comments about that? Cause that really frustrates people as a general rule. Well, you know, listen, um, I tell people generally not to try and change the mind of their medical doctor. You want to give them a copy of my book, great. But to try and have a debate or a one-on-one -on -one conversation, don't even bother. You need to make your doctor a holistic doctor. You need to see a doctor of chiropractic. You need mm -hmm. That's going to be the answer. There's no reason to, to stress yourself out. There's no reason to go debate with these people whose livelihood depends on the pharmaceutical and the current model. There's nothing we can do about it. So, you know, so, so let them be. They'll change on their own time, but, but just, just get out of that. Just get out of that model. You don't have to aggravate yourself. You don't have to frustrate yourself. And again, you can, all the, it doesn't matter what their opinion is. It matters what you, the individual person and patient, it's all about you. It's not about making Wolfson happy, Dr. Barter happy, or your current medical doctor happy. It's about making you happy. And that's what we offer. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm assuming your take is the same with type two diabetes. But um, what is interesting for me in practice to see is that someone will come in, they'll have metabolic syndrome. That's where your your blood sugar is above 100, but under, you know, under the diabetes threshold at what, 127, I think is the number. It, but they're like, I don't have diabetes, so I don't have a blood sugar problem. Or, you know, they're hypoglycemic and I don't have a blood sugar problem. Um, what's your comment on on that piece with, if they're not into full-blown, um, you know, diabetes type two, you know, but they do have metabolic syndrome, um, what's your thought on their risk for cardiovascular disease in that subset? Well, you know, once again, you know, you're talking about kind of medical labels, you know, established by the medical and pharmaceutical industry. Sure. You know, if, you're, if your blood sugar is 126, you're diabetic, but if you're 125, it's not. Is there really a significant difference? No. So mm -hmm. just like you just, you know, astutely pointed out, for every point your blood sugar goes up, so does your risk. So 
86 is worse than 85. 86 is better than 87. For every point your fasting blood sugar goes up, so does your risk. Same thing with other markers, hemoglobin A1C. For every, you know, for every bit your insulin level, your fasting insulin levels go up, so does your risk. So I would agree with you 100% that you know, just because you don't fall into these, these labels of do you have diabetes or not, again, that is the fundamental problem and why people say, oh, so-and-so was healthy. Again, I don't know what their blood sugar was. I don't know what their insulin, their hemoglobin A1C, some of these other advanced markers. Um, and, and until we have that information, you know, which, is what, you know, which is what everybody needs, and that's what you and I offer is the ability to find that information, show it to people, and tell them the truth. Because you're right, people are walking out of the conventional medical doctor's office thinking that they're fine, and then they go drop dead in the parking lot. It happens all the time, every single day, and we need to do something about it. So that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, I think there was, I remember, you know, after learning how to read labs and I had this preconceived notion that if you, you were in reference range, then, then you, that equaled healthy it, with labs. And it wasn't, it wasn't until a couple of years into practice that I started to question that because people were coming in, they were struggling, they were overweight. There was, there was nothing on, on labs that would indicate anything else. And so I started to look more at a functional model. But to me, it seems that if you are normal on labs, that equates to healthy, but that means that you're just average. Well, I think also, you know, just as you pointed out, it's kind of like, you know, take thyroid, for example, and the common marker of thyroid from a blood standpoint, the TSH. Well, the, the range of TSH is 0.3 to 4.3, <laughs> around like that. So that's a huge range. And what is optimal? Yeah, and what is optimal for the individual person? And you just, you just, you know, you and I could say, well, TSH below one would be optimal. And that's probably true. But again, people are walking around with a TSH of 3.5 and, and the doctor says, you're fine. Or their vitamin D level is 35. Or their, their, you know, their total cholesterol, you know, is, is XYZ. Again, we need to really hone in through the most advanced testing in the world to look for so much more, and then taking the individual into account and then what their particular needs are. Another thing, I mean, as a cardiologist, I love when people come to see me uh, for high blood pressure, they've never had their magnesium tested, or they had their magnesium tested, which was a simple blood test, and their level was within range. And of course, it was in the low end of the range. And then we check intracellular magnesium and their levels are terrible. Something that the average cardiologist wouldn't even dream of looking at. And we look at it, we provide that person with magnesium. And wouldn't you know it, maybe blood pressure gets better, heart rhythm problems get better, everything gets better because the body is so dependent on magnesium. And that's just one simple example. Yeah. Very, very true. Nutrition is, when your nutrition is lacking, it's a stress in your body. You know, stress doesn't just have to be, wow, I'm in a bad relationship or boy, I got to get to that meeting. It can also be, you know, nutritional as well, which I think it was a great example of what you just pointed out. So you coined a really cool term that I had never heard before. I don't know if you coined this or not, but what is leaky heart? 
happens. Yeah, Doc, I got to say, I got to take credit for that. I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's all me. I definitely never heard it before that. Well, you know, when I met my wife in 2005 and she starts talking about leaky guts, I kind of laughed at her. I'm like, where'd you come up with leaky guts? And she said, you know, go read about it. So there wasn't much to read. I talked to a bunch of holistic doctors like you and it made sense. Well, now, as you know, over the last 10 years, we can uh, we can test for leaky gut, uh, tons of literature on leaky gut where things that belong in the food tube and then out the other end leak into the body and setting up disease. Well, the same thing happens is that we have a barrier in our heart called the endothelium. And when that barrier is not functioning normally, well, then things leak inside, in, into the inside of the blood vessel, the blood vessel wall and cause disease. So whereas the typical cardiologist honestly thinks that coronary disease is from cholesterol and lack of Lipitor, we're able to point out and say, you've got leaky heart. Your lining of your, of your blood vessels doesn't work for a variety of reasons. And now immune cells get into the inner layers of a blood vessel, cause inflammation, oxidative stress, plaque formation that can rupture, leading to heart attack and death. And that is the concept of, of leaky heart. And uh, I love to talk about it. I love to promote it. And I want people to really understand it, um, that, uh, that, it's a, that it's a serious problem and hopefully we can fix it. In, in your opinion, do you believe that when you're getting placking in the arterioles that it could be an infection? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think that infection uh, honestly is, is part of it. And although there are bacteria and viruses, for that matter, that can be found in coronary plaque, um, I think that they're more of innocent bystanders as opposed to they are causative. And in the past, actually, they've tried studies where they've given cardiac patients antibiotics, and actually the people did not get better. They did a little bit worse, which probably is not a surprise to you. So I don't think that infection is, is really a big part of it at all. Now, infection fighting cells or immune cells are a big part of it. Because again, that's just part of the repair crew of the body. And when the body is irritated and inflamed, um, uh, the immune system has to come in and clean up the damage. And part of the healing process, believe it or not, really is, is coronary artery disease. But it's, it's not something that we want. We don't want to heal in that way. We want to prevent the inflammation, oxidative stress in the first place. The, the leaky heart in the first place is, is really what the strategy should be. Awesome. That's awesome. So are there any things that you do on a daily basis to keep yourself healthy? Oof, I mean, what do I do? I mean, once again, uh, we're 100% organic. Uh, so I think, again, that's a fundamental, easy thing to do. I love getting outside. I, we, we sleep appropriately. We go to sleep certainly shortly after the sundown. Uh, I wake up before the sunrise. I try and catch the sunrise. I try and get outside as much as possible. Um, and I think also is that I'm very fortunate that I'm, I'm married to a beautiful, amazing woman. I've got three amazing children. I've got a wonderful dog. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy. And I think that if we all could find our happiness 
and get the stress out of our lives. Like if it sounds simple, but if you're in a dead end job or you're unhappy on the job, it's not worth dying over. Find a new job like I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're in a bad relationship, get out of it. If again, if there's things that are bothering you mentally, it's very important to move on from that. You know, getting away, you know, we, we, we live an organic lifestyle. We don't have toxins in our lives as much as we can prevent, right? If you live in a big city, you know, and you're breathing in pollution all day long, there's not much you can do about that, but it means you have to do everything else and, you know, air purifiers and quality water systems. But it's really, it's really refreshing, you know, Dr. Anne-Marie, in the sense that um, for years, I was so frustrated that nothing could be done really to help these people aside from pharmaceuticals. And now you get over into this side and realize that we can do anything to, to help people and to help their bodies truly heal. So true. It's so, so true. So where can people find you and find your book again? Um, if you can just drop that here, that would be great. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I would love, you know, just grab a, free copy freeheartbook.com you can go pay 20 bucks on amazon or you can get the book for free over at freeheartbook.com and you got the information there and i think that's a good starting point and for anybody who would want to see me as a cardiologist i still see patients uh, i still do online phone conversations and now kind of like the whole world is moving towards <laughs> virtual and i think i'm perfectly set up for virtual um you know, but fundamentally, like I said, you know, no matter who you are listening to this, set up, you know, find your doctor of chiropractic, start off with them, copy of my book. I think that's, that's really your answer to health and wellness, you know, moving on from there will help march you off the pharmaceuticals. If, if it's an emergency, you go to an emergency room, if it's a trauma, trauma center, but for prevention, the medical doctors have nothing and, you know, Dr. Anne-Marie, you and I have everything, which is, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thank, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Jack Wolfson. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed learning with us today, please give us a five-star review, comment, like, and share our podcast with your friends and family. As always, if you'd like to learn more information about today's guest, please head over to fearlesshealthpodcast.com for links to their site and other educational resources.